Welcome to the Lancet Respiratory Medicine Podcast. I'm Aaron Van Dorn, speaking to you from the Lancet's New York office. Today on the podcast, I'm speaking with Dr. Natalie Walker of the National Institute for Health Innovation and the School of Population Health at the University of Auckland in New Zealand about a trial she and her colleagues conducted looking at the effectiveness of nicotine patches used in conjunction with e-cigarettes for smoking cessation. Can you start by giving us some background about nicotine replacement therapy for smoking cessation and the introduction of e-cigarettes? So the first thing to think about is that uh, smoking cessation support varies greatly around the world. Uh, some countries have a whole smorgasbord of options available and other countries have nothing available. So when we think about the types of support available, some may be behavioural in nature, so that might be delivered face-to-face by a health professional or over the phone by a quit line, or through text messages and apps. However, support may also be in the form of pharmaceuticals, such as nicotine replacement therapy, which we often refer to as NRT, as well as drugs like varenicline, cytosine, or bupropion. So NRT comes in a number of forms. So usually there's a low-dose, slow-release nicotine patch, and then they have faster-acting oral NRT products, such as nicotine inhalers, mouth sprays, gums, lozenges. And the nicotine delivered by these products help relieve symptoms of nicotine withdrawal. And when people use these products, it helps them to quit easier. And in some countries, they allow combination of these NRT products. So in New Zealand, for example, you're allowed to combine nicotine patches with faster-acting oral NRT products because we know that the combination of the products increases quit rates compared to just using the patch alone. So then we come to e-cigarettes. Uh, or or electronic cigarettes is is the full name. So they appeared on the market around 2005, and these are novel devices that deliver an aerosol that people inhale. And sometimes these devices have nicotine in them, and sometimes they don't. But the unique thing about e-cigarettes is that they help replace some of those hand-to-mouth behavioural actions of smoking. So you You could really consider an e-cigarette as a form of nicotine replacement therapy. It's just not a medically approved form. They were never developed by a pharmaceutical industry. So the devices are rapidly evolving, and more recent models can deliver nicotine at the same level as uh, nicotine replacement therapy and at the same level as cigarettes. Like NRT, e-cigarettes are considered reduced risk or reduced harm products, because they're less harmful than continued smoking. And you have to remember that it's the smoke from the tobacco that kills you, or kills one in every three smokers. It's not the nicotine. Why did you undertake this trial? At the time of the trial, we designed it and we got it funded around 2015. In New Zealand, um, only nicotine-free e-cigarettes were permitted. So, in other words, it was illegal for nicotine e-liquid to be advertised or sold in New Zealand. So the view at that time by the government was that if you really wanted to use an e-cigarette and you really wanted to use nicotine, you would simply combine your e-cigarette use with medically approved NRT. And that's a real valid point. And so we decided to investigate the concept in an effort to inform New Zealand's policy around access to nicotine e-liquid. It's really important for us to explore this because New Zealand has a smoke-free 2025 goal. And so as researchers, we work very closely with the government to try and find strategies to help us achieve that goal. The smoke-free goal means that less than 5% of adults are smoking by 2025. So the findings from our study have not only helped shape New Zealand policy in this regard, it will hopefully inform policy in other countries as well where there's a ban on advertising and the sale of nicotine-containing e-cigarettes. Can you give us a brief overview of the trial and what the findings were? 
Between 2016 and 2018, we undertook a three-arm community-based randomised clinical trial in New Zealand. The aim of the study, we wanted to evaluate the effectiveness, utilisation and safety of combining nicotine patches with second-generation e-cigarettes, with or without nicotine, plus behavioural support, and we wanted to look at the impact of those interventions on six months smoking abstinence. So the trial was pragmatic in design, and, and what that means really is that very open entry criteria, really sort of embedded in the real world rather than a, a clinic-based trial. So this is very, you know, if you have a, a mental health problem or you're drinking heavily, anyone can come into the study. So very open eligibility. And that helps to ensure that the study findings are as generalizable as possible. So we aim to find 1,804 people who were motivated to quit smoking. They had not used an e-cigarette before and were 18 years and over. And we recruited people from throughout the entire country using multimedia advertising. Then participants were randomly allocated to one of three groups. One group received 21 milligram nicotine patches. One group received patches plus an e-cigarette with no nicotine in the e-liquid. And the third group received patches plus an e-cigarette with 18 milligrams of nicotine. So in order to choose the type of e-cigarette to use, we talked to the New Zealand vaping community to help guide us and we said to them, if you had a naive user of an e-cigarette, which type of device would you recommend to use? And they all basically recommended the same type of device which was a second generation tanker tech EVOD and it's got a refillable tank. And they also guided us on the type or the strength of nicotine to use and the types of flavours as well. The study had two comparisons. One was between, because it's a three-arm trial, so two comparisons. One was between the two e-cigarette groups. And the second comparison is between the patch plus nicotine e-cigarette group and the patch only group. We also blinded the content of the nicotine. Participants were advised to, uh, they started using their products two weeks prior to their quit date and then they continued for a further 12 weeks after their quit date. We told them to use the patch daily and the e-cigarette whenever they wanted to use it. So we didn't really guide them on when to use the e-cigarette. We provided all the product at no cost and we also offered six weeks of telephone-based behavioural support. So how did the trial go? Well... <laughs> Unfortunately, we didn't quite reach our recruitment target, but we were able to recruit 1,124 people into the trial. In those allocated patches, only 50% withdrew or were lost the follow-up at six months compared to a third in the e-cigarette group, and we'll come back and talk about that issue a little bit later. For our main outcome, which was six months continuous abstinence from smoking, use of patches together with nicotine e-cigarettes resulted in three to seven more smokers per hundred becoming smoke-free at six months, compared to just having patches and a nicotine-free e-cigarette. I give a range because the answer depends on the sensitivity analysis that's undertaken. For the second comparison, the smaller than anticipated sample size meant that that comparison wasn't sensitive enough to pick up a definitive finding, although the analysis suggests that using patches plus a nicotine e-cigarette can result to five to ten more smokers per hundred being smoke-free at six months compared to just having the patches. You have to think about the impact of those findings on the real numbers in the population. So in New Zealand, we have currently 512,000 people who smoke. So if we allowed nicotine e-cigarettes 
and we promoted the combination therapy. We would be supporting between 15,000 and 36,000 more people to become smoke-free than using the previous situation, which was just nicotine-free e-cigarettes with patches. You could also apply these findings to other countries that don't permit nicotine e-cigarettes. So Australia is a good example in here. They have approximately 2.6 million adults who smoke daily. If they change their policy to allow nicotine e-cigarettes to be used in combination with nicotine patches, between 78,000 and 182,000 more Australian smokers would become smoke-free than just allowing nicotine-free e-cigarettes to be used in combination with patches. So there's a lot of people whose lives could be changed for the better simply by allowing nicotine e-cigarettes to be available for sale. And furthermore, by supporting people to quit smoking, the health of their families and the community has also improved. The paper has a whole lot more information in it related to smoking-related outcomes. It also talks about product use, safety, acceptability. So I really hope that the listeners take a time to read it carefully. There's also a supplementary appendix, which adds a lot more depth. So clearly not all participants in the trial found the interventions helpful, but allowing nicotine e-liquid and combination treatment seriously does have a clear benefit for some people. Why were there so many dropouts in the nicotine patch only group, and what can you learn from this for future trials? Yeah, that was, that was interesting. So clinical trials, when you design them, you have to assume that there's clinical equipoise which basically means that there's not enough information or evidence to presuppose that one intervention is any better than the other. So as researchers, we argued that based on the available evidence around e-cigarettes, there's equipoise with the interventions we were wanting to offer. So then we had to spend quite a bit of time talking to participants before you randomise them to ensure that they understand that there's equipoise and that they can't come into the trial unless they accept that equipoise, which means that they are prepared to accept whichever intervention they're allocated. So although people told us they accepted that, clearly some didn't because (laughs) once they were randomised, they withdrew from the trial or failed to respond to our follow-up calls. And that's in the patch-only group I'm talking about here. And some of those people in the patch-only group also crossed over to an e-cigarette. So we really shouldn't be surprised by this. In New Zealand, when we talk to people who smoke, many people will say they've made multiple attempts to quit and have not had any uh, long-term success. These people have repeatedly tried using NRT to help them in their quit journey. In our trial, for instance, a third had tried to quit smoking using a patch for their last quit attempt, but still no success. So now they're faced with three options. They either continue to smoke, they keep trying to quit maybe with behavioural support or no behavioural support, or they keep trying to quit using cessation medication they've already tried with and failed before. So then along comes our trial, and we're offering a new treatment option that they haven't tried, and that, therefore, is very appealing. So they joined the study because they were prepared to take the chance that they wouldn't be in the usual care arm. Unfortunately, they were, and so they withdrew or were lost to follow-up. What does this mean moving forward? Well, first of all, When you undertake a pragmatic trial, the regulatory environment that it's undertaken in has a huge impact on the success of it. So if we had undertaken our trial maybe in a country where neither NRT or e-cigarettes were available, then I don't think we would have seen this type of differential withdrawal, as people who smoke would not have had any previous experience with either product and so would have no negative expectations. However, for countries where one or both products are available, we have to expect to see such differential withdrawal. We were aware it would happen. We did try and minimise it by having unbalanced randomisation. That means that people had a higher chance of being allocated to an e-cigarette group. 
So moving forward, the reality is in New Zealand, or countries like New Zealand, having a usual care arm in a pragmatic smoking cessation trial is becoming increasingly unsustainable. Although the research question of whether a new intervention is better than usual care is important because it informs smoking cessation treatment guidelines, it's actually not important to the trial population. They just want to quit and they don't want to use what they've used before. So now we have to ask, is it ethical to offer usual care when usual care is not working for this population? Why did you choose not to have an e-cigarette-only arm to the trial? We did deliberate for quite a bit of time about which comparison groups to have. In the end, the decision comes down to two key issues for us. One was cost and one is policy. So cost. So every arm you add to a trial adds cost. So if we added a fourth arm to the trial, such as a nicotine e-cigarette or maybe with a placebo patch together, that would have increased the sample size and then the cost of the trial. And that's well beyond what we could afford or obtain from our funder. So New Zealand's a very small country. We've only got a small amount of uh, health research funding. Our budget was the equivalent of about 350,000 euro, or what's that in US? I think it's about 400,000 US dollars to run a three-year trial of over 1,000 participants. So not a huge budget. The second decision was based on policy. So the pragmatic trial was designed for New Zealand government to help inform their decision-making around access to nicotine e-liquid. If we wanted to change that policy, we had to provide some evidence to justify that. And so that's, that's how we decided on what the three treatment arms were. Do you think that knowing if dual nicotine replacement therapy with e-cigarettes is superior to e-cigarettes alone is an important future research question? Absolutely. Uh, and I know <laughs> we know that many people are going to be a bit frustrated that we didn't have that comparison in our trial. But like I said before, we had our reasons for it. We know that combination NRT is better than monotherapy at helping people to quit and to stay quit. So I, you know, it's highly likely that NRT combined with nicotine e-cigarettes would be superior to e-cigarettes alone. We'll probably look at that in future trials that we're going to undertake, but at the moment we're in the process of designing these new trials. It's our funding round at the moment. So we're going to utilise those fourth generation e-cigarettes, which are the newest type available. The products are evolving so quickly, it's hard to keep the research up to date and keeping on top of it. So, yeah, we are planning to move forward in that respect. Dr. Walker, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Okay, thank you.